Life Audio. Sacrificial love is the heart of Lent because Easter is the story of Jesus' love poured out for us. I'm Jody Nisnik, and you're listening to So Much More. And after a quick word from our sponsors, my guest, Asherita Choo Choo, and I will be back to talk about how Lent can help us discover the heart of Jesus. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Asherita Chuchu is a best-selling author, national speaker, and host of the Prayers of Rest podcast. She is a Romanian missionary kid who is passionate about helping people around the world enjoy Jesus through creative spiritual habits. Asherita is married to her high school sweetheart, and together they are raising their three spunky kids in Northeast Ohio. Well, Asherita, it is just really great to have you on the podcast. Thanks for making some space for us today. Oh, Joni, thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad we made this happen. Me too. Well, so we're in the season of Lent, and this is a series focused on this 40 days that is set aside in the Christian calendar to help us prepare for Easter. And so, Asherita, I know that Lent was not a part of your growing up experience because I've read a little bit about it, but I would love for you to tell us more about your journey with Lent, even your introduction to it, and kind of where you've gone in that process with Lent. Sure. Well, I was familiar with Lent as um, something that other people did (laughs) um, leading up to Easter. Um, And frankly, I think I misunderstood and maybe even misjudged people who practice Lent um, as something that, you know, they're trying to do to gain God's approval or favor or kind of work their way into God's good graces. Um, And so I was shocked when I went my first year of college, I went to um, an evangelical school, very similar to my upbringing. And uh, my freshman year, people started asking me what I'm giving up for Lent. And I was like, wait, 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 other people do that, right? Like, we what? (laughs) <laughs> What's going on now? Um, and so I was just kind of surprised that, um, you know, my new friends at school who grew up very similar to me um, were kind of, I think, trying to make their faith their own, trying to figure out, like, what does it look like to be young adults um, who are still walking with Jesus, but, you know, maybe rebelling a little bit from our conservative upbringing by doing this thing. And um, I was just, you know, some of them were giving up Facebook, some of them were giving up Bachelor, some of them were giving up, you know, their favorite <laughs> drink. And I was like, I, I guess I'll give up sugar. I mean, I don't know. 
um, I kind of bumbled my way through that first year of not really understanding the heart of Lent um, mm-hmm. and really focusing instead on like, okay, what am I giving up? I guess this is the new trendy thing to do at evangelical college. <laughs> and I thought, you know, maybe there would be some sort of spiritual experience that came from that. And it really was just a bad diet. <laughs> I mean, I lost a couple pounds and then regained it after Easter. And that that was like my first personal experience and brush with Lent. And it it was years, you know, thinking, am I doing this? Am I not? Like, why would we do this? And it wasn't until a few years later, I was married. And it. I think Advent was the gateway actually for me into Lent, hmm. because similar to, you know, Easter kind of sneaks up on us um, with Christmas, it, it was so commercialized. And I, you know, being a missionary kid, there's so much activity around Christmas that I felt just really praying, God, would you help me reclaim the joy of Christmas? And he used Advent to do that. Those four weeks um, leading up to Christmas to prepare my heart to celebrate the birth of Jesus. And that was transformational for me. It was after experiencing that, that I thought, hmm, I wonder if Lent could be that for Easter. What Advent is for Christmas, Mm -hmm. could Lent be for Easter? And I know anyone who's grown up in church traditions that practice Lent are like, yes, that's the point. <laughs> like, this is not a new discovery, but it was for me. Right. It, it truly was for me. And so Lent then over the years kind of became not about what am I giving up for Lent? What is this huge sacrifice for Lent? But rather, God, would you use these weeks leading up to Easter to prepare my heart? Like, show me what does this look like? And, and you know, can we reimagine what Lent can look like for 21st century Christians that really is in line with what God's spirit is doing in the church today. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like the overview of of where I went from like totally misunderstanding and not knowing it to actually writing a devotional for Lent. Yeah, I love that. We have a very similar story. I was first introduced to Lent in college. My best friend said to me, what are you giving up for Lent? And I was like, isn't Lent something that you find under the couch? Like what, what is, I don't even know what this is, you know? And, and she convinced me to give up soda or something like that. And, and truly it was an exercise of willpower, not an exercise Mm -hmm. of preparing my heart. And so it wasn't until Mm -hmm. years later when I wound up at a church that was practicing some of the rhythms of the church calendar that I started to see just like you oh, this can be a season to prepare my heart. Okay, so I want to shift. We we meditated on some words of Jesus that he spoke the night of his betrayal, and it's from Matthew 6, 16 through 18. And he says this, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And and really, you used this verse as a launching pad for your Lent devotional, which is really about uncovering the love of Jesus. And so I would love to know why you think this act of loving one another as Jesus has loved us is such a helpful practice as we prepare our hearts for Easter as we're in this season of Lent. Well, you know, it was in the process of truly learning and and praying through how can Lent prepare our heart for Easter. And, you know, honestly, it's infinitely easier to give up fancy coffee than it is to love that family member who wounded you in childhood. It's so much easier to cut a check to your favorite charity than it is to sacrifice your own time and energy. And, you know, when you think about it, sacrificial love 
is the heart of Lent because Easter is the story of Jesus' love poured out for us. And so it gives us an opportunity to embody mm-hmm. that practice of this is what Jesus did. So it's, it's not, the emphasis then is not on how can I improve myself by giving something up for Lent, but rather Jesus' life is one of sacrificial love, always giving of himself, pouring of himself toward others. And that goes against our natural instinct. Um, so the, the question then is, how might I open myself up to receive more of God's love in my life so that I might then be a conduit of his love into other people's lives? I think that is the heart of Lent. Mm-hmm. It's where we crucify the flesh, right? It, it's uncomfortable to love that hard to love person. Um, uh, but I think it's more formational for our soul to, to take time to say, God, you love them. You've called me to love them. <laughs> You've said that this is how the world will know that we are your followers and your disciples. If we have love for one another. And if I am being totally honest, there is not a whole lot of love in my heart toward them. Right. <laughs> and and so if if I am to go on this journey of becoming a conduit of your love to them, then it, it's going to be a supernatural act. It's going to be the work of your spirit in me. And we know from scripture that the fruit of the spirit is first love. Mm-hmm. So this isn't mustering up more love. This isn't like trying to become more loving people. This is opening ourselves to the the transforming work of the Holy Spirit within us to say, here I am. And, and I can acknowledge, I it's safe to be honest with you to say, as I look at my life, these are some people who are really hard to love. Um, and so would you work in my heart? Would you do something inside me? Would you help me repent of what I need to repent? Would you help me crucify the flesh? Would you help me become a conduit of your love toward them? And in so doing, shape me more into the, the image and likeness of Jesus. That is the heart of Lent. We're going to pause here for a quick word from our sponsors. And then Asherita and I will be back to talk about some practical ways we can love those who are hard to love. I'm so happy that you basically talked again about it not being just more willpower on our end because we can try to love people that are hard for us to love and it's going to maybe result in one nice thing that we do and then we're just going to become <laughs> resentful. <laughs> like the real mm-hmm. heart mm-hmm. will will expose itself. There's just, it just yeah. happens. So you talk about how we need to open ourselves to God's love and you walked through a little bit of that, which felt more of a prayer process, a, rec- a recognizing what's happening in your heart. Tell us a little bit more about that process for you. Yeah. Um, I think prayer is a big part of it and um, self-awareness too. And having that process of self-awareness in conversation with God. But that's just holding up a mirror to our soul. I, I think a really critical part of this process is opening our hearts to receive more of God's love. Um, and in my own personal experience, I found that to happen as I meditate on scripture, as I meditate on how God loved us through Jesus Christ, it's taking my gaze off of myself 
and fixing my eyes on Jesus. Mm-hmm. And Hebrews 12 says, um, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And I'll get this. The writer of Hebrews says, let us consider him who endured such opposition from simple men so that we might not lose heart Mm -hmm. and grow weary. So in this season of Lent, Mm -hmm. if our hope and our prayer is that we might become more loving people toward others, it's not enough to just hold up the mirror to our own soul. We need to fix our eyes on Jesus, meditate on how he loved so that we don't grow weary and lose heart. Because I'll tell you what, loving those hard to love people is wearisome. It is discouraging. It is like, Mm -hmm. it will bring up all the gunk and junk in your heart when you're like, why Mm -hmm. is it so hard to do something nice to this person? Um, It it brings up a lot of that. And so this is not grinning and groaning our way through being nicer people. You can do that. And there's probably objectively value in that, but that does not transform our hearts, our, our persons into the image of Jesus. So yes, Mm -hmm. we hold up the mirror in prayer in self-reflection in confession and repentance, but we need to fix our eyes on Jesus. Mm -hmm. As I was kind of processing this for myself, I meditated through first Corinthians 13. Um, It's the famous love chapter that people use at weddings. You know, when Paul wrote that chapter to the church in Corinth, it, it was not primarily about marital love. It was primarily about loving one another in a church that was filled with problems. These are messed up people that um, were hurting one another. There were grudges. There was bitterness. Like we see this in both letters to the Corinthians. And Paul is Mm -hmm. saying, no, 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 toward one another. Like this is how we love. Um, and, And you can do all the great things, all the acts of service, all the like wonderful things for God. But if you don't have love, it's all hollow. Um, and so that love chapter really is about how we want love one another. Um, but for me in, in this process with Lent, as I was kind of praying through that, I thought, what if I used first Corinthians 13, um, as a lens through which to read the gospels? Because if God is love, then Jesus lived out all of first Corinthians 13. And so it became almost like an adventure of saying, mm-hmm. okay, love is patient. Where was Jesus patient in the gospels? Love is kind. Where was Jesus kind? Love is not self-seeking. I wonder where can we see that? Uh, it became almost a treasure hunt, taking those 40 days leading up to Easter that first year to read through the gospels with this lens of first Corinthians 13 is practically how I fixed my eyes on Jesus. And as I marveled at his patience, at his kindness, at his self-control, at the way that he put the needs of others before himself, I received that love toward me. And then it becomes a natural outflow of saying, God, help me to love that way too. Not because I'm trying harder, Mm -hmm. but because I'm receiving your love. I want to live out that love toward others. Let's talk a little bit about what are some of those practical ways that the Lord has invited you to love others and even just some ideas for us on how we can love others well. Sure. Yeah. So I'll take this um, answer two different directions. Um, First, to address the the boundaries part, right? So the first year that I kind of 
experimented with this and I was like, okay, you know, let Lent be the season of loving those who are hard to love. Um, there were two people that came to mind as I was praying. And so I purposed that I would show love to both of them. Um, and the one person, um, was not in physical proximity and there had been a lot of hurt, um, even abuse in the past. And I felt the call to pray for that person. I was thinking, mm-hmm. you know, they've burnt all their bridges. There's probably no one praying for them right now. Um, yeah. it would be an act of a, a sacrifice of love for me to pray for this person every mm-hmm. day, not reach out, not like engage, but just pray for them. Um, and I got two or three weeks into Lent and I started having these terrible nightmares. Um, it like praying for this person was bringing up so much from the past. And I just kind of pressed through and I was like, well, you know, this is, this is part of the process. This is, this is what's happening. And, um, it got to be so bad that my husband encouraged me to go see a counselor. Um, and in the process of, you know, talking with a counselor, talking with my, my husband was like, can you please just stop praying for them? Like (laughs) it is not worth it. Like it's, it's hurting you even from a distance. There's just so much there. And how I was like, just bravely soldiering on. I was like, no, I committed to 40 days of prayer. And so I'm going to pray for 40 days. And, (laughs) um, we reached the, it was Holy week. It was the last week of Lent. Um, and it had just gotten to be so destructive to my soul. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. was sitting in my counselor's office and he was like, Ashrita, why will you not stop? I realized that at some point in my Lenten journey, it started out good and it had become a pride thing. I was like, I don't care how much this hurts me. I'm still going to pray because I'm not the type of person who gives up. Mm. And I don't regret that because that led to a lot of healing. Um, actually releasing that commitment and stopping that before the 40 day mark led to a lot of reflection, a lot of prayer, a lot more counseling, a lot more like there's stuff here that needs resolved. And I can trust that God sees this person and that if they need prayer, God can bring someone else to pray for them. Mm. That does not mm-hmm. have the type of hurt in their life that I, I, was experiencing all over again, just re-traumatized through this process. And so I will say that as a like personal experience, when we talk about sacrificial love, this does not mean put yourself in harm's way unless you experience that call specifically from God. You bring it to wise people in your life who counsel you and who are saying, we see this, we are with you, we will support you. This is what God's calling you into and we will protect you and we will help bring like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it has to be a, a divine call from God with a lot of support and protection for you to put yourself in in a situation that kind of revitalizes some of that hurt from the past. Mm-hmm. I would not mm-hmm. do it again. So I, I will say that on the flip side, the other person was present in my life. There was not significant like hurt or trauma. There was just personality clashes and conflicts. Mm-hmm. Like I, I truly believe this person desired the best, but their best was very different from how I thought the best should be. Like it was just right. It was a classic situation of like this person is hard to love through probably no fault of their own, except that we are two dynamically different people, right? And I would say 
this is where God is calling us to work on loving these hard to love people where it's not significant trauma. It's not a dangerous situation. It's just, they rub us the wrong way. And that reveals the flesh in us. That reveals how we want to get our own way. It reveals how like, I want to be right. I want to call the shots. And that is where we crucify the flesh. Mm-hmm. And so as I was praying again at the beginning of Lent, how would I love this person? Um, someone wiser, older in my life said, you know, you can think through the five love languages and think, just brainstorm. What are some ways that you can show this person love in the season of Lent? So words of affirmation. I wrote a thank you card to them for something that they've done in the past. And just no strings attached, just said, you know what? I just want to thank you for this one thing. It was so hard to write that thank you card. (laughs) Not because I can't, I couldn't think of anything to thank them for, but my pride Mm -hmm. got in the way. Like, why would I, like, they should thank me first for everything I did. Like, oh, Jody, there's (laughs) so, it is so revealing, right? Yeah, it exposes the dark parts of our hearts pretty fast. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And those first few times, like these acts of love really were an act of obedience. I wasn't feeling particularly thankful or loving toward them, but looking at all the ways that Jesus loved me, fixing my eyes on Jesus, holding up that mirror reflection helped me say, okay, out of love for you, God, and out of obedience that we are to love one another, I will write this thank you note. So words of affirmation, acts of service. Like what's one way that I can serve them, that I can show them love. I stopped by a coffee shop and brought them coffee one day just to say like, Hey, I see you. I I hope you have a great day. One time it was flowers, acts like physical touch. This person was in relationship close enough where like we were regularly kind of hugging kind of like this awkward, like distance shoulder type. I don't want to get too close. And, um, I, you know, I thought, what if I initiated a hug that's just genuine and meant not for my comfort, but meant for their, like, I see you, you're important to God. Like, can I be a conduit of God's love toward this person? Again, in appropriate ways in relationship, right? It might be a, a hand on the shoulder. It might be a high five. It might just be like, hey, I see, like, yeah. there's so many appropriate ways to do this. And and working through those five love languages helped me brainstorm at the beginning of Lent. Here are some ways that I can do that. And Jody, honestly, every single one of them made me cringe because I was like, I don't want to, but not because it was dangerous, but because it, it confronted sin in my own heart and life. And right at the end of those 40 days, mm-hmm. not even 40 days, like two or three or four weeks in, this person started showing love in ways that I receive it, that I hadn't expected. We didn't have like this big come to Jesus moment or like a big conversation of reconciliation. It was just like, there was a remarkably improved relationship between us. And and I truly believe that was the transforming power of God, mm, mm. God's love through us um, that I would initiate and show love and that they would then reciprocate and show love. Mm -hmm. And I really think this is what Jesus is talking about when he says, the world will know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another, that, that kind of love that doesn't come easily when we're not 
best friends when we're not like Mm -hmm. similar personalities, when there is kind of this rubbing the wrong way conflict, when we lay down our life for one another and say, you know, you can pick the restaurant. You can like decide the the song that we're going to sing at church this week and you can, it's okay. I, I can say no Mm -hmm. to my flesh and I can allow God's love to flow through through me toward you man Mm. what a different experience of lent compared to what my first year was which is like i'm just gonna give up sugar (laughs) and like hope for the best (laughs) like this this sacrificial love is the heart of lent the first one was just slightly inconvenient yeah yeah (laughs) this one really exposes the heart and i'm so grateful for your helping us see through through both lenses of something and and it's interesting you mentioned pride as what what was hard for you in both of those relationships pride was keeping you going in the harmful acts and then pride was helping you resist in the loving acts that were appropriate i was so curious i'm like how is this person receiving these here's a cup of coffee and some flowers for you know from you when you hadn't done that and so i was glad you told us what was the long-term implications to that relationship? I mean, are you still interacting with that person? Is there, is it, is the relationship better? Yeah. So, I mean, this is a person that wasn't going anywhere. <laughs> so like for better or worse, we were going to be in relationship long-term um, and it's not my spouse just to clarify. Okay. Although, like, <laughs> I know I always like to clarify that I'm yeah. not talking about my husband. <laughs> it's not my husband. Um, although there are people who've, you know, read through this devotional and have done this toward their spouse um, yeah. and, and have experienced a remarkable difference. But no, this was, this was a person that was like, they're not going anywhere. They're like, we're in this for the long haul. And so we might as well figure out um, how, how to improve it. And so, yeah, this was, um, maybe five, four or five years ago that I, I first started viewing Lent through the lens of sacrificial love. And I can tell you like every year it's gotten better. Mm. We still see things differently. There are still moments where I'll talk to my husband and I'll be like, I can't, like, how do they think this is okay? Like, I don't understand it, but it's gradually improved to where I'm starting to give them the benefit of the doubt. I'm starting to be more patient. I'm starting to look for opportunities to say, you know, I think they might need this. Would I be the person to to meet that need and to show them God's love? It's so much better than it was five or six mm. years ago. What a beautiful testimony of everything that you're talking about practicing love the way that Jesus has loved us and how it is truly transforming us. I mean, you are being changed. You have changed from five years ago. And that is just a beautiful testimony to the work that God can do in our life, the work that he wants to do in our lives. Gosh, thank you for encouraging us with those words. You know, it seems like Easter still creeps up on us every year. Even when I practice Lent with intention, I'm like, seriously, it's Easter Sunday already. How did that happen? Mm -hmm. So I would just love some closing words of encouragement from you for our listeners on just, you know, how can we keep this reality of Jesus' resurrection in front of us and prepare our hearts this year so that maybe this this year we don't wake up on Easter Sunday just surprised <laughs> again that it's Easter again. 
I mean, I found it helpful to every year I pick like a new devotional or a new book that is scripture based that kind of helps me move toward it. And it's, you know, physically, as you're turning the pages of the book, you see like, oh, we're halfway through, (laughs) we're three quarters, like it's coming, kind of gives you that that opportunity to Mm -hmm. um, mark the passing of the days that way. Another, like with our family, we try to do once a week, we have like a little Lenten type devotional around the table and we light candles So we have the number of candles and every week we light one extra candle. So that shows the passing of the weeks. It shows like this intentionality. Lent is longer than Advent. It's like double the length. So it it is kind of a longer journey and having something like that can kind of help mark the passing of the days and the passing of the weeks with intentionality to still prepare. And what we do on Good Friday is we light all the candles Mm -hmm. and then we extinguish them all to kind of symbolically represent that the light of the world has gone out. And then Sunday morning, we light all the candles again, that the the light of the world, the king of the universe, uh, the resurrection and the life is, is victorious and he's alive. I'll say one thing that has struck me in the practice of Lent. Um, it's not so much that Easter sneaks up on me anymore. It's that it surprises me how quickly it's over. Mm. But like, there's been this long march up to Resurrection Sunday and it's like Monday comes and everyone's like, okay, put everything away. We're moving on to summer vacation and pulling out the beach stuff. And like, and I'm like, wait, what? Yeah. We spent like seven or eight weeks <laughs> moving up to, and, and so one thing I encourage, um, our community to do is, actually practice Eastertide. Mm-hmm. Let's continue to dwell in the resurrection. Let's rejoice in the fact that Jesus has conquered death. Um, keep reading those resurrection accounts. Write it out verse by verse. Like Take the two or three weeks after Easter to still dwell in that reality of his resurrection, that we are a resurrected people, that we are resurrected mm-hmm. with Christ. And so it doesn't have to end on Monday. Let that celebration of Easter carry over and carry through. And I I find that rhythm of like preparing for this momentum moment and then allowing to kind of ride out that wave is just such a beautiful rhythm Mm -hmm. to our calendar and to our our spiritual lives. Mm, I love that. Those are great, great ideas. Well, Asherita, thank you so much for making some space to talk with us today. And friends, we have been talking about Asherita's book, Uncovering the Love of Jesus, which is a Lent devotional. I love your idea about having a devotional to go through every year. So this would be a great one for you. And there will be links in the show notes for how you can get the book, how you can connect with Asherita, and how you can listen to her excellent podcast, Prayers of Rest. So um, definitely check all of those things out. Before we leave, I do want to just take a quick second to thank the team of Life Audio for their partnership with us. And if you go to lifeaudio.com, you will find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts that are in their network. There are shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and even this one on scripture meditation and thoughtful conversations. So as always, I do want to thank you again for joining me and Asherita today on so much more because we really do believe Jesus has so much more to say to us and we are creating space to listen. Hey everybody, I'm Dale. And I'm Tamara. And we're hosts of the Kynos Project podcast. Where we help you tackle ancient Christian truths in everyday settings. 
The word kainos means new, and that's exactly what we want to do on our podcast. Bring something new from what is old in our faith. And on this show, you might hear us explore topics like what the Bible has to say about student loan forgiveness, discuss how the satanic temple affects our view of religious liberty in America, or even question why is it that so many people are having rapture anxiety. To learn more about the podcast, go to lifeaudio.com.